Welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I am your HIV positive host, Miss Jennifer Lee Vaughn, and it is the eve before the 4th of July. So I have a doggy sitting very close to my feet right here, and um, all my kitties are in, almost actually, two of them are out. One stays out all the time because she hates the other cats. Why well, don't think my, is this picking up my audio correctly? Is my audio correct here? I guess it is. Uh, looks okay. Hold on. I need to do a little test. I'll be right back. Okay. It's good. It was picking it up on my mic and not my computer's microphone. That was a rookie mistake I made in my first two podcasts. I recorded everything on my computer mic, which is not a good mic at all. Even though I had my new mic plugged in. I was so excited, ready to get going with my podcast. I had my brand new mic and I didn't select it. <laughs> that was the thing. You have to select it at the top. There's <laughs> a little drop down thing menu. Anyways, learned my lesson. Um, so yeah, I always make sure that my audio looks normal and sort of big in the blue. Uh, well, you'd have to see what I'm talking about, but I do watch it. It's like I see my voice on here. It's kind of cool. Um, anyways, and um, I don't know if you guys know, but I don't freaking prepare for these podcasts at all. I mean, <laughs> there's not that many people that listen anyways, but I, um, yeah, this is really off the cuff. Um, so, uh, I will be doing this podcast off the cuff, even though I do have a list written in front of me. Um, I did go through my video of the top 10 reasons why you think you have HIV. It's for people, it's basically for people who have HIV anxiety, um, mainly hetero men will put them first as the lowest risk for HIV and the most freaked out about it. I don't understand that. Uh, women also typically in general, you're not high risk for HIV, but they do freak out. They do freak out. So I wanted to do this podcast so that I could, um, have it in a different form. This is, there's a video on my YouTube channel, um, where I talk about this, to the camera. Um, it's about, I don't know, it's probably less than 10 minutes, the video. So I don't go into as much detail. That's why I wanted to do a podcast because I can talk way more to a microphone than a camera because I don't like to talk into the camera and see my face after and it's just stressful. So, um, cause I just get super like paranoid about the way I look and everything. So this is easier for me. But before I jump into my top 10 list, um, I wanted to go over just a couple things from the last podcast. If you happen to listen, I did end up with a little case of BV that is bacterial vaginosis. And I just wanted to clarify that that is not an STI. That is just a pH imbalance in your vajayjay. And um, I explained in the podcast why that might have happened. I used one dose of this gel that, you know, I squirted up there and, you know, it really went away. I feel like it happened instantaneously. It really, I didn't have any issues after that first uh, usage. So that I wanted to make sure that you guys knew that that is not an STI. Um, it's just a girl thing. And uh, let's see, I think I had, I was getting stumped on the word apprenticeship. It was internship at Channel 36 News. I had an internship there, although I really didn't because I was getting paid $5 an hour. Um, I didn't really explain what ripping scripts were or the wall that Steve was standing in front of. So ripping the scripts, they would print all the scripts out for the newscasters. We're talking 
like on printers that have the paper, like on either side, there's all those holes. And, you know, every 11 inches, eight and a half by 11, uh, it's perforated. So all the scripts would be printed out and it was like, you know, you know how they print and there'd be a pile of paper folded back and forth, back and forth. Well, I would obviously, uh, there was three copies to these scripts. And so I would, um, separate them. I feel like they were white, yellow, and maybe, maybe they weren't, I don't know, but I just remember that I feel like there was three layers. And anyways, I would separate them. Yeah, there was at least three layers because I had to give them to all the different newscasters and they would just kind of keep track of, there was a firework. Did you hear that? Um, they would have to keep track of, um, the areas where they would be speaking. So they would like circle their areas and they'd have the, they'd have the full newscast in front of them. So yeah, I was responsible for ripping all the scripts, putting them in order, making sure each newscaster had their scripts before they sat down at the desk so that they, the thing is, is that you want to have those in case the teleprompter goes out. Then you have this as a backup, um, to be able to read them. So they're right there. And, you know, I would say the guys that were really like, I know Michelle Blaine always was very professional and she was always, um, like looking at and making sure the scripts, like she'd, you know, turn the page as it went to the next one. So she was keeping track through the whole newscast, um, with the script, even though it was all on the teleprompter and she probably knew, you know, she probably wrote many of the stories and knew them backwards and forwards. But, um, anyways, and then there was other guys like Jan Hutchins. There's a name from the past. Um, and he would show up like literally 10 minutes before the news started. He was usually out golfing and he would just put a sports coat on and uh, like a nice shirt underneath the sports coat and he would have shorts on underneath the desk like no one had a clue he would literally walk in he never wrote any of the stories because he was going to retire or something and he would just um literally sit at the desk and just read the stories and on live news like he was that you know um what's the word polished and um it was kind of impressive to watch and also scary because like here i am like a little you know 21 year old uh, newbie from college, you know, working with a guy who'd been around San Jose news for a long time. And it was like, Oh my God, please don't let me fuck up around Jan Hutchins. But he was nice. And then, um, Steve Paulson, the weatherman, um, there was just a wooden wall and I sat behind the wooden wall on a stool that had like a little, it almost reminded me of like my grandpa's like workbench in his garage or something. There was like just a, I don't remember, it was like a wooden, like long table and the teleprompter sat on there, um, which is just a little knob that you control. You either go left or right with it. It's like literally like a video game and um, I'm watching it on a screen in front of me. So I'm watching literally like the, the script go up or, you know, and, and then you can stop it if you need to, if there's a reason for, I don't know if there's live news and they have to like cut to that, then you stop and um, you get the cadence of their speaking. And then, you know, like how fast and slow to go. And sometimes like during a commercial break, they would say, you know, Hey, can you, um, can you speed it up a little bit or just, you know, not so fast or, you know, stuff like that. Obviously for Steve, he was just off the cuff. He had no script. So he would just um, ad lib his whole segment. And, um, but while he was waiting, like we'd be on a commercial break, this was live news is very exciting. And this happened during the Rodney King, um, when LA was like burning down, this was like the Rodney King, um, verdicts had come in 
And we watched all of that on live. Of course, back then there was no internet. So we were watching these feeds come in through uh, LA stations and we were seeing stuff that no one else was seeing until it went on the news that night. So I remember that was like crazy watching that. Like we were just like jaws dropped. We couldn't believe it. Um, and so what else did I want to say about that? I don't know. Now I'm like wondering if I should even do my HIV anxiety because I do. No, I will. I will. I will. But I had some more uh, new stuff that I just thought about that I wanted to share. So Steve would be on that wall, which is just a green wall. And then they um, add the graphics. This is very old school. I, I don't know. I, maybe they still do it that way. Um, and in his office, man, he had his own office upstairs because he had so much stuff printed out every day trying to figure out like the weather. And it was all pretty scientific. I, now, my God, everything's satellite and, you know, internet. Like, I don't know. I don't think weathermen have to do what they used to. Um, but anyways, Steve was a great weatherman. Um, you know, he was a young guy. And I do remember that there was a reporter that would sometimes work at our station because there's reporters that roam around to different stations. And I had heard through the grapevine that they were hooking up. And I remember like having, I can't picture her in my head, but I just remember there was a female reporter that I was very jealous of. And I'm like, that's who he's banging. So, um, but you know, I got him a couple times. So I'm proud of that. And then there was this really funny thing in the newsroom, like where we worked, not the, I'm not explaining that right. The, well, okay. So there's the, I guess there's the news. I feel like the newsroom what am I trying to say? The studio. Okay, so there's a studio where they would shoot the news, right? That's where the reporters, or not the reporters, the newscasters would sit at the desk. And then there's the newsroom where we work with, you know, everyone's on a computer and they're writing stories. And, um, you know, we're talking about all the things that are coming through on the police, you know, scanner and all that stuff. And um, there was sometimes live coverage where someone would sit in the newsroom because it was like, you know, things are like burbling in there. And so they like to have that aspect where they would cut to somebody in the newsroom to give some of the news. And we would just be walking by in the background. Well, we're really well aware of when someone's live in the newsroom. And so there was this wall behind them um, that went into, a, it was a hallway. And so the hallway was half of the hallway wall was, you know, wall. And then the other half of it was glass. And so um, <laughs> I did tell my mom one time, like, watch, I'm going to go walk. I'm going to go walk in the hallway, you know, and it was clear enough that you could see me walking by, you know, and then apparently, I don't think I did this, but somebody did this where they, they went in that hallway and kind of like scrunch down, like with each step to make it look like they were walking downstairs, but there are no stairs there. <laughs> they did that on live TV, which I thought was really funny. Um, so yeah, fun times at, um, channel 36 news. All right. Um, what else was I going to do? I did that. I did that. Okay. Let's get into the top 10 reasons why you think you have HIV. And of course I preface this again, by saying that the lowest risk for HIV is hetero men who are only with women because the odds of women transmitting are incredibly low. It can happen, right? It's, it can happen. I think it can happen. I think it's possible, but it's so uncommon that, um, it's not worth making a big deal over because, and I'm sorry for those that, that it's happened that way, but it's so few that I, it's just, it doesn't make a blip statistically. Like I, it, it's not a thing to really focus on. It's really like, I'm sorry, it's a bad accident, but it's like the odds of it are very low. So 
with that said, uh, number 10, uh, the reason you think that you have HIV is that you have generalized health anxiety already. This is, I see this all the time, or you are a hypochondriac. Don't take that as a negative. A lot of people are self-proclaimed hypochondriacs and they know this about themselves. People, I, the messages that come through to me are almost like, it's like a copy like it's like everybody is writing the same message to me they mention i've always been a hypochondriac or i've always had like this anxiety about health and health issues like this is a very common theme in messages that are sent to me so i've seen this um repeatedly over the years from hetero men so like that's like a number one you guys have some kind of generalized health anxiety already okay number nine of the reasons why you think that you have HIV is because you had an affair and you think that you deserve it. So that's not how HIV works. It doesn't have a brain. It's not trying to get back at you. God is not trying to give you HIV. I don't believe in God, but whatever. Your higher power isn't trying to give you HIV because you had an affair. But a lot of people, and typically it's always men who are hetero who reach out to me, with these, um, worries. And, um, I can tell you in the six years that I've been doing this, not one time has a hetero man come back to me and said, you were wrong. I do have it. I did end up being positive. Like that's not happened one time. And I have been contacted by hundreds of hetero men with the same concerns, but, um, yeah, they think they feel bad, obviously. Yeah, of course you feel bad. You cheated on your wife or you cheated on your girlfriend and now you feel like something bad should happen. Well, maybe something bad will happen. There is a thing called karma, but HIV is not in that equation. It just isn't. It doesn't have a moral compass. It doesn't care that you slept with another woman. Uh, if you slept with a man, though, uh, you might have something to be worried about. But if you slept with a woman, um, yeah, your risks are incredibly, incredibly low. Like, like not worth the worry that you're putting into it. Okay. Uh, number eight, you were with a sex worker. This is another reason why you think you have HIV. Okay. Unless you're with a male sex worker who put a penis in your bottom, And I'm leaving women out of this equation because we don't go to sex workers. So if you are a hetero male and you went and had a penis put in your bottom, uh, I think you'd be aware if that happened, um, then yeah, that could be high risk for HIV. There you go. That's a very good example. But if you had sex with a woman, I'm sorry, but what's the difference between my vagina and a woman who's a sex worker's vagina? Um, I had AIDS. I had a super high viral load and I still didn't give it to my partner of like one year at that point. Um, which is also something that I've Um, always talk about in my advocacy is that I didn't transmit to anybody. I had another partner for, I say partner, but um, boyfriend for six months um, during the time that I didn't know I had it. Um, And then of course I had the other person that I was with for altogether six years, but um, we didn't know I had HIV for the first year. And so, and we didn't use anything and he was negative. So, um, and then I, there were other men that I had had sex with uh, and nobody was positive. So over those two and a half years, um, yeah, I'd been on Tinder and, um, I, 
I didn't give it to anybody. So, um, and this is obviously I talk about this through my social media all the time. Um, and, and other women who have had this exact same experience that they didn't transmit to anybody. Once they found out they had it, they checked with people and nobody had it. Um, the most recent I have as a woman, um, uh, down in San Diego who was diagnosed, she'd been with her boyfriend for the last eight years he was negative. She got it from somebody prior to her relationship with that man. So that was a man that had been exposed for eight years and he was negative. Let me check my messages. Okay, good. Um, so I get on tangents. Okay. The sex worker. Okay. So what's the difference between a sex worker having HIV and a high viral load and me? There's no difference. We both have female parts. Um, and it's very, almost impossible for a vagina to put HIV into a man's penis. And I kind of always explain it that a man's penis is kind of like a foot. Like you have to touch the bloodstream. And um, even for a man to give it to a woman isn't that easy. I mean, like a lot of things, there has to be a tear, you know, like there has to be some kind of tear. So a, another STI happening that's untreated is a possible... Um, I always want to say thoroughfare, through way, pathway. Um, that is a possibility, you know, I suppose. Like, let's say you had um, a herpes outbreak on your peni and you were with a sex worker who had HIV. She didn't know she had it. I mean, these are all like these, the odds of these things are pretty low also, by the way. And she had a super high viral load. I There, possibly, there you go. But like, again, there's so many different factors that have to be put in place um, that for the most part, statistically, if you look at it, you're worrying for nothing. So, um, and again, I always kind of like say this, a sex worker, a female sex worker is seen who? She's seen hetero men. Like she's not seeing gay men. So statistically, it's gay men who have HIV and bisexual men. So men who have sex with men is the highest risk for HIV because of anal sex. Um, it's a tear in their bottom, basically. It's a high, it's high, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, bl the blood vessels. There's a very uh, a dense blood vessels in that area and easily to tear. It's easily torn. Um, and, you know, semen and blood. And this is typically how it's transmitted. Well, it is like between men, that's how it's transmitted. Uh, for women, we have two receptive areas, so it could happen um, in either hole. But I, you know, I've, I've asked many women, you know, if they did that, the back part and who are positive, women who are positive. And, um, you know, I asked them through a group that I have and many said no, that they had never done that. So it definitely was vaginally. So definitely can happen vaginally, um, obviously as well. So, okay. So back to the sex worker and my whole thoughts on this is that, okay, so sex workers are mainly seen, I mean, literally they're seeing hetero men who are the lowest for HIV. Okay. So they're not seeing gay men, and would they see bisexual men? I guess, yeah, but typically if you're a bisexual man, you can already get the female part because society doesn't care about you dating women. Society's gonna give you a harder time or your family or your coworkers or whatever is gonna give you the harder time for you having sex with men. So that's the part you wanna do in private if you're bisexual and maybe you wanna do that, you know, by, you know, having sex with a sex worker which would not be a woman. So I always think, and you know, it would make sense that female sex workers 
wouldn't have HIV. That just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. Of course, if they're doing drugs, you know, shooting up heroin, then that's high risk for HIV. So that would be one way. But again, there a lot of things would have to be going on in a man. Uh, there has to be a way for it to touch your bloodstream and your skin isn't it. It just doesn't go through skin. So then everybody's like, oh, uncircumcised, uncircumcised. Uh, or yeah, those who are uncircumcised. I, I, I can't, I don't know. Like I asked the women in my group, was there any of you who exposed men for long periods of time when you didn't know you had HIV and those men were not circumcised? Um, did you, you know, you didn't, and there's like in my group, there's like only, I think two women that think that they gave it to a man. And I think they're protecting those men, honestly. Um, I don't think they want to believe that their men could have been doing something that they don't want to think about. So, um, but regardless, um, the majority of the women in the group, there were some that said that they had exposed men who were not circumcised. So they still had their foreskin and they didn't give it to them. So I was like, okay, well then there you go. There's several men that, I mean, I know this is like, these numbers aren't huge, but there's like 250 women in the group. And I mean, it was a good amount of women that could attest to that, that they had exposed men who were not circumcised and they didn't give it to them. Okay. Um, and I think the thing with the uncircumcision, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's a guess to me is that maybe if they had like schmegma under there, it could create like, um, uh, like, you know, that creates like a rash and like maybe like a bit of a like sore or something underneath there. Um, that's all I can really figure out because it like HIV can't burrow its way through skin. Skin in itself is just, it's protective in nature. And we are constantly healing from the inside out. When you're cut, we're constant with your skin is healing immediately from the inside out. So, you know, people will say crazy stuff like, well, what if I had like, uh, uh, you know, these cuts on my hand from gardening and then someone got blood on me or I fingered a girl with HIV and like I had a cut on my finger, like, Okay, you don't get HIV through your hands, for one. I did a TikTok about that, and I got so many people who went like crazy with that and said, you absolutely can get HIV through your hands. I'm like, okay, I'm, I took the video down because I got so sick of fighting people. It's like, you all are fucking ridiculous. Like, you cannot get HIV through your hands. It's sexually transmitted, and it's through mother to child through nursing and blood blood transfusions, which isn't a thing anymore because all blood is tested. Um, and sharing needles and obviously during childbirth, um, but not always. It's typically through, um, it's not through the um, being pregnant process. I've explained that too. It, it, that's not how they babies get it. They get it through the birth canal when they're coming out. It, it gets under their um, I know this is so much confusing stuff because people are going to go, oh, but you can, you can't, I thought you couldn't get it from oral sex. Babies are different. Their immune systems are very fragile and it can get into their eyes, up their nose, I guess, into their mouth, but that's how they get it. It gets into them, it, into them that way through the birth canal. So, um, um, because I know twins who one got it and the other didn't, and they were both born vaginally. So it, and then for the most part, it's, if they make it out of the birth canal without getting it, 
uh, and the mother doesn't know she has HIV, if she nurses, like the odds are like incredibly high. It's like, it's probably like nearly a hundred percent. If of course they're not on treatment, if they're on treatment now, the odds are like almost zero that they can transmit it to the baby. So that is awesome, awesome news for, um, for pregnant mothers who are HIV positive who are on treatment. And then the babies go on treatment for a little while after they go on PEP. And yeah, it's all, there's a study called the Promise Study, I think, if anybody wants to look into that more. But, um, and I did have Heather, um, Shay O'Connor on my podcast, like, I don't know, maybe 10 podcasts ago, maybe 14. I don't even remember. I've done a few since then, but she um, is an advocate for um, women who are HIV positive who want to breastfeed. And um, she's just an amazing person. And I highly recommend listening to that podcast if you want to know more about that. Um, It's still not part of the U equals U repertoire. We really only focus on um, not transmitting it through sex, which is 100%, and also um, from mother to child through the birthing process. So those two things are concrete. We can say comfortably and 100% that people who are HIV positive and undetectable can't transmit sexually. They also can't transmit it to their baby during the birthing process. Okay, so sex workers, um, yeah, that's all I can say about that. Okay, number seven on why you think you have HIV. You have symptoms. Okay, well, what are symptoms for HIV? Cold and, well, they're flu symptoms, basically. Uh, Body aches. This is like um, typical during the seroconversion period, which is in the beginning when you you're getting like the virus is in your body and then your body's trying to make antibodies and it's it's in the early stages Uh, people typically get like flu symptoms like uh just really you know achy um fever i i didn't i don't know i didn't get that i got like a head i mean from what i think i think it was when it happened i got that really horrific headache for like four days and like my eyeballs hurt and it's funny another woman recently came to me and told me that she had that exact same symptom and then I had um, the uh, esophageal pain. So, of course, I talked about that in my um, video, which is my 16 HIV AIDS symptoms. Um, that video has been a blessing and a curse because so many people, it made people aware of symptoms for HIV. But on the other hand, it also made people fucking crazy because they all get like, you know, they think like every little ache and pain is now HIV. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah. That video has been, um, a little frustrating. Um, but yeah, people think they have symptoms. They'll, you know, uh, they send me pictures of their tongue and it's like, okay, look, all you can do is test, but there's so many things that, well, if you Google symptoms of things, HIV comes up all the time on the internet. I, I don't know why, but it always, it always veers people that way. And so then they think they have it. And it's like, the one that I get a lot is like muscle, not, not necessarily muscle pain, but like they're losing muscle tone and volume or something like people like in the beginning when I really didn't know better and I was just like a new person out there telling my story and there's people sharing like they think they have it. Um, I remember this kid in New York who was like a skater kid. He was like 19 or 20 and he'd been with this one girl like three times and he was certain he had it. And he's sending me pictures of like his arm, like from, you know, three months before. And then now, and he's like, do you see, do you see the difference? Like, I can you see like how much smaller it is? And I'm like, I don't like, I don't fucking see any difference. Like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I mean that like that will happen. People will send me pictures of um, rashes all the time. Like don't send me your rash pictures or your tongue or your 
dick or anything. Like, I don't want to see that. And I, like, I can't tell you anything from that. Nobody can. No doctor can see a picture of a rash and go, that's an HIV rash. Um, because I had that rash around my mouth and I went to a dermatologist for it. And he said, that is definitely from hormones and age. <laughs> and it wasn't, it was HIV, but like nothing alerted him to it being anything odd. Um, so yeah, symptoms are so general with HIV. They are, they mimic um, so many other things. So it is, it can be scary because they look at, you know, these, these symptoms, quote unquote, um, might look like HIV, but it's just stress for the most part. Like people will have, like, they think they have HIV. So then, then they get a stomach ache because they think they have HIV and then they can't eat and they lose weight and they have diarrhea. So like they'll, those are really common. Like they'll tell me they have those things. It's like, yeah, your brain is powerful. Like I used to make myself sick when I was little. I didn't, there was no word called anxiety. I had homesickness. My parents went through divorce. I, my whole little, like, you know, world kind of turned upside down. My parents split. I moved with my mom. My brother and sister went with my dad and I would stay at my dad's sometimes and I would get stomach aches. I, I just always did. I would get them at school. I had anxiety all through high school. Again, back then I didn't call it anxiety. I called it, um, I was a big baby. I didn't know what it was, but I was making myself sick and I would, um, I would have diarrhea. I would spend the night at friends' houses and I couldn't sleep and I'd get nervous. I'd have to take a bath at, you know, two in the morning because I was like literally making myself stay awake because my brain was making myself sick. It was my brain. It, it was nothing else. I wasn't sick. So um, yeah, our brain is super powerful. And um, the more you know about that and the more you can like control it, you know, I didn't get it. We actually put me on medication to try to like calm that shit down. And I was certain it was a placebo. I was like, they're faking it. They're like, they're the psychologist, my mom, they're all in on it and it's fake and it's not going to do anything. So I would take it. And then I would literally try to make myself sick. Like when I was like, cause I would save it for different like occasions. If I was going to have to go stay up my cousins up in Ukiah, I would bring that medication. It was like, it was a last ditch effort for me. It was like, I didn't want to use it unless I was really in a horrible panic. And, um, and I remember using it one time and like trying to like, like I was like, I would just, Oh, it's such a dark, scary, awful place to have a panic attack, but I would, I would have them. So anyways, uh, yeah. Panic attacks create a lot of digestive issues. So yeah, symptoms. I always say quote unquote symptoms because they, you know, the odd, uh, it's just like, I cannot tell you how many people come to me with symptoms and it's never, ever, ever HIV. But they, they always say, I have the strongest feeling that this is HIV. I just know it. I just, I have this terrible feeling. I just know it's going to end up being HIV. Like that is really common too. And it's like, no, you don't. You, I know you think you do, but, and you, you don't see what I see. So yeah, you kind of think that, but I mean, especially with, if you've cheated and then you have symptoms and you know, people make themselves crazy. Like really they make themselves cuckoo. Okay. Um, number six, why you think you have HIV because you think you had a quote unquote risky exposure. Um, <laughs> and I put a little note here after about getting ghosted. Um, so people will, guys will say, you know, 
I don't know, I had this risky exposure with this girl because I heard that she slept with like a lot of people and I don't, or I don't know her status, um, but I heard like she sleeps with a lot of guys. Okay, I don't give a shit, even if she had HIV, which the odds of finding a girl with HIV is like a needle in a haystack, uh, especially a girl who has untreated HIV. And then on top of it, you get it from her. Like the odds, you guys, so freaking low. It's like not even worth worrying about. So stupid. Okay, so guys freak out and then they start sending like all these messages to the girl like I think you might have it have you tested I want to see your results and they go and then the girl like totally ghosted me and she stopped um you know I, I couldn't get a hold of her she blocked me on everything so I think she totally has it I think she's hiding a secret it's like no you're fucking annoying and she blocked you because you're like literally you know accusing her of having HIV and she doesn't have it and she just wants you to, to leave her the fuck alone. So yeah, that happens a lot. And um, I, I try to be as gentle as I can with these people. It's like, no, you're just annoying. That's what happened there. Okay. So number five, um, why you think you have HIV, you gave or received oral sex. Okay. Let's talk about the difference there. Giving oral sex. Uh, no, let's, let's say receiving it first. Okay. So you're the guy and a girl gave you a blowjob. Okay. That does, that's an, an impossibility. So no one can give you HIV through a blowjob, um, nor can any woman get it through oral sex. There is, uh, lesbians have sex pretty much two ways, scissors, uh, hands, toys, mouth. And um, there are, I think there's one reported case in the history of HIV, and it was a something to do with a toy that got blood on it, um, apparently. But like, even like, I'm not even sure if that's totally substantiated. I don't even know. Ooh, I used a big word off the top of my head. Um, but anyways, oral sex. Yeah. You getting uh, a blowjob. Yeah. Um, HIV is not in our mouth. Like, uh, that's not going to go. It doesn't go that way. So the only other way is again, where girls are off the table there because there's no transmission between women. So oral sex, a man getting it from giving a girl oral sex in eh, no, mm, there's that's not reported anywhere. Um, but getting it from a blowjob, getting it from a blowjob. So you're the one giving the blowjob. Apparently they will say it is even on the CDC website, um, cdc.gov, it will say extremely rare. So they will say extremely rare that you, the receiver, so someone shot some semen in your mouth um, and you maybe had bleeding gums. They say this is extremely rare. I find it probably not that possible, but people will argue that this has happened to somebody they know. I don't know. Um, so uh, yeah, that's it. If it, if it did, I'm really sorry, but it's like incredibly, incredibly rare. So for the most part, oral sex, I would say you're worrying for nothing. Um, uh, unless you really like to worry about things that barely ever happen, then I mean, knock yourself out. I don't know what to say. Um, okay. Number four, another reason you think you have HIV is because you fucking Google HIV all the time. Stop doing that. It's not good for your health. Googling HIV will make you crazy. Dr. Google is not your friend. I know it's tempting. Of course, you might want to do like a general check of things, but people get obsessed with Google and HIV. And they, I, I mean, 
I can't tell you like the people that tell me that how often they're like Googling stuff. They're like, oh my God, I got to get off the computer. I keep Googling this and that. I'm like, and people do like a deep dive. They go down a rabbit hole and they make themselves crazy. And again, there you go. They have anxiety. They get symptoms created by their anxiety and they're all, I know I have it. And they had an affair and you know, blah, 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 blah. You get it. They um, make themselves totally feel like they have it. And they probably feel like they do have it because they've actually made themselves sick. So um, yeah, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. It's like, it's a bummer. And I, I hope, um, you know, I'm not trying to be mean. I hope that people hear my, um, um, like, how do I say it? It's almost a little bit of tough love because I want people to realize when they're low risk and how much time they're wasting for no reason. So, um, yeah. Okay. So number, um, let's see, number three, another reason you think HIV, um, you, that you have HIV is because, um, women are transmitting HIV. So again, uh, statistically, this is not happening. I've explained it many times in many, many videos. If you haven't seen my video, uh, HIV female to male, highly unlikely on YouTube, you might want to check that out. Um, just for an example, when I go to these conferences, it is a gay fest. There is a smattering of women, mostly black women that have been affected by down low men. And, um, there's hardly anybody that looks like me. Like I am the rarest of the rare hetero men. They are not there. There is no conference for hetero men, none. So if this was really, you know, I, I get really, really pissed off when I see that HIV can affect anybody. No, it doesn't. And it really doesn't. It really stops with women. So hetero men, um, if, unless they're, you know, doing drugs or whatever, or having sex on the down low, um, they're not getting HIV. This would be affecting the whole world if, you know, if women were giving it to men. So, um, yeah, this is just not the case. And I just see this over and over again. And I see the same pattern of women getting it from men who are on the down low, or they found out later, another firework. And then, that they never transmitted to anybody. So it's not hard to do the math. And statistically, it's not hard to see who has it either. Um, CDC.gov, they will lump heterosexuals into one group. They say it's about 23% of the population who has HIV. And then if you break that down even further, when you read the report, it gets down to about 17% of those are female, leaving behind 7% um, male, hetero men, uh, and drug users are in a different category. So this is like, they're saying 7% of the people in the U S that have HIV are hetero men, meaning they got it from women, but are they following these men around 24 seven? Anybody could check off a box and say that they're hetero, you know, no one's following them around hundred percent. All I know is that I know a shit ton of HIV positive women who never gave it to anybody and, um, and they got it from down low men. So it's the same pattern I see over and over again. Okay. So yeah, women very, very low risk for, first of all, coming across a woman with HIV where I, it's not like I, my aunt Sally has it and my friend Genevieve has it and, you know, um, other colleagues at school have it. Like this is so uncommon. That's why I did a YouTube video because I couldn't find another HIV fucking positive woman that had it. I had nobody to relate to because it is so freaking rare. So yeah. And then you're going to be that hetero man that somehow you're going to come across that woman. 
and 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 you're gonna and then with all the odds of how rare it is to get it from a woman you're gonna freak out like it's just it's people just don't understand the probability and the probability is incredibly low uh, for all of these things to come about into their their realm and then they get it like this is just it's it's kooky it's kooky that they get so wrapped up in this thinking they have it and this will go in one ear and out the other I know guys will listen to this podcast and they will still think that there's some chance. Um, Okay. Number two of the reasons why you think you have HIV, you are obsessed with window periods. Um, Yeah. Okay. So what I know is that for, if you're like testing for the actual virus itself, it should be possible to find that in someone's body within two weeks of the exposure. Um, And then if you are testing for the antibody, which is your body's defense against the virus, it takes about six weeks for that to happen. Anywhere from two to six weeks for that to show up. I do know somebody who had a viral load, um, a woman who had a viral load because she was, she's a porn or I don't want to say porn. She's an adult, um, an adult actor, adult. I'm not saying that right you know what I mean. I don't want to say porn because we don't use that word anymore. We say she's an adult actor. That's right. So they get tested all the time. And, um, she, um, was tested and like at six weeks she had a viral load, but she was still showing negative for an antibody, which is super like not common, but it did happen to her. And so her, like it showed with the viral load that she actually had HIV, but she hadn't shown antibodies yet at six weeks. So it took her a little bit longer. Um, Cyber homo Edward, he's on, um, at cyber homo on, um, Instagram. He also said that he had posted or posted, he had tested six weeks. Um, he knew he was sick. There was something wrong. Like he knew it. And, uh, he thought this guy was trusted the one that he'd been with or, or he'd heard otherwise after I can't remember, but he was like, he was sick and he'd gone and tested and it was still showing up negative. The antibody at six weeks, um, it didn't show up till after. And so, um, that's like, those are really not common. So I would say antibody. I usually tell people like four to six weeks, an antibody would be there at that point. The government will tell you three months that it takes three months. That's just cause they want to be really, uh, covering their butts when they're giving information. So they will say they go with a more extreme 12 weeks. Um, but in general, six weeks is pretty much long enough. Um, so we don't go with six months anymore or a year or anything like that. That is old school. That was when their testing wasn't very good. Um, so yeah, that's it. Our testing is really good today. And everybody asked me about these at home tests. Are these accurate? Are they accurate? Yeah. I mean, it'll say on the box how accurate it is. It's pretty fucking accurate. I mean, nothing's a hundred percent, I guess on these tests, but I mean, they're pretty damn close. So, um, yeah. Or a quick is one that I have done in my videos and that's just a, a swab in your mouth on your gum line. And that's looking for the antibody and that's a right at home test. It takes like 20 minutes for the results to come to you, like right there in front of your eyes. You don't have to mail it out or anything. Um, I think anything blood related, you might have to like mail out to a lab. Um, so that's why I think or quick is nice. Cause it's right then and there. And I do have a video. I have two videos on me taking Oroquix. I had fun with that video. Um, I don't know what I called it, how to take an HIV test or something like that, but I made it kind of fun. It was, um, 
one of my um, better works of art in my um, videography collection. I had some fun doing some editing in that. Um, okay, so, uh, and number one, the number one reason why you think that you have HIV, drum roll, please, um, because you took an HIV test. Just because you took the fucking test, you think you have HIV. It's psychological. I know it's really funny, but literally people that go and test for it freak the fuck out because they're like, oh my God, it's going to come back positive. I'm going to be the person that's going to get that phone call that's going to say that, I don't know what to tell you, but you're positive. So, and then, oh my God, the call doesn't come soon enough. And then I have to wait another day and they're not telling me my, my results because it's positive and they don't know how to tell me. I mean, people, I, I don't mean to laugh. People drive themselves crazy with this, but when people test for HIV, it is super normal to think about the phone call that could come to say that you're positive and how dreadful that would be. So that that's what plays through everybody's head. And they then they think that it's going to be possible. They really think it's going to be possible because they are so convinced now that they tested for it. Now you put yourself in this world of HIV by testing for it. And why else would you test for it unless there was this risk you know, and I always tell people, just test for it so you can see it's negative. Like, but they're still going to go through this psychological, like, warfare in their head thinking that there's this possibility because they're testing. Because, like, why would I test for something like, let's say it's cancer, like, and I think I have cancer. Why would I test for it unless I have a reason to think I might have it? So, of course, then you're going to go to the next step and go, well... I tested for it because I think there's a reason and now there's a possibility for sure because I'm testing for it. I'm in the world of this now. So people get themselves completely immersed in this HIV testing and um, even with negative tests, I find that people um, will keep testing and keep testing. Like, it's like they can't believe the results. No, I still think it's there. I think it's hiding. Um, I'm going to test again and another. Like People will say, is it like... Is it conclusive at like 96 days? Like, <laughs> uh, I'm like, okay, you're good. You're good. You can just chill the F out. What was your risk? You know, did you share a needle with a heroin addict that had HIV? You know, what it, What was your risk? So again, the majority of the time it's hetero men who had sex with a woman of unknown status, but... <laughs> Most of the time, it's just women that they hooked up with on Tinder or something or through a friend or whatever, and uh, they're just feeling guilty about it because they have a wife or a girlfriend or whatever, maybe. So um, yeah, taking an HIV test will definitely um, give people anxiety, and they think that that call is going to happen to them, um, when in reality, it's just, you know, it's you're just taking a test. That's all. Just so that you can see it's negative. I mean, that's usually why I say, just take it so you can see it's negative. Like, do this for me, please. I've seen this a million times. And I always say uh, to people that reach out to me, I always say, you know, take the test and then um, let me know when you get the negative results so I can say, I told you so. I said, I'll always be nice about it. But like, I'm, I'm, I've done this long enough to know what's high risk and what isn't. And I have, I'm batting uh, I don't know how to do the baseball stat. I've never been wrong. Let's just put it that way. I'm always correct because it's not that hard to figure out when you've been like in this world of HIV for, um, 
for, I don't know, six years now, six years. So yeah, again, um, yeah, just test so that you can know, cause nobody can tell, uh, and, and I'm not going to tell somebody, even if it's low risk and they have a rash, I'm not going to say that's not an HIV rash more than likely it's not, but like, I'm not going to tell anybody that. Cause I don't know. I can't tell from, from somebody's rash. Oh, I have a message on Tinder. Hold on from Andrew. Let's see. Andrew says he only has one picture. Um, I'll put more pics up for you. Oh, thank you. And he says he grew up skating. Haven't in a while, but I can ride a board. Oh, cute. Again, Jennifer is matching with a 29 year old. He is cute, oh, but he's got a beanie on and it's like a profile picture. And I honestly have no idea. Facially, he looks really cute, but I don't know what his body looks like at all. He's six, three. So he's probably in decent shape. Anyways, so many, I'm talking to so many people on Tinder right now. I literally, I'm going to count right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, oops, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 22 I'm talking to. And then I still have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12 that I haven't talked to yet. It's, this is just, it is way too easy for women on Tinder. It really is. Like we have the pick of the litter here. I mean, it's not all that easy to always meet somebody because, you know, schedules and a lot of people don't want to commit, including myself. Like, do I really want to commit to another blind date? I don't know. Uh, but I did have one the other day. Do we have time to throw that in here? Um, is it worth mentioning? Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning. I met a 30 year old, um, at the beach. Um, and he's from Florida. He's out here for like work. Um, he has a really interesting job. He's like, a, um, he's a guy that repairs, oh, coaxial cable, like the, the, um, the fiber optics that are in cables. And I was saying, but I thought everything was like through the sky. Like there's no telephone poles in my neighborhood. He goes, yeah. So if it's not on a telephone pole or like in above, above buildings, he goes, it's in the ground. He goes, everything runs through cables. And I'm like, ow, I I guess I kind of knew that, but I kind of hadn't thought about it. But anyways, he goes to the places where there's like some kind of outage and he goes, he goes, you know, those green boxes that are like either on your grass, like it's a big green box or there's like a green cover on the ground. He goes, yeah. So that's like where I would go into. And I'm like, oh yeah, I have one of those. I have one of those. Oh yeah. Like the beginning of our, um, our complex, there's a big box and he goes, yeah. So that's like the main hub. But anyways, he goes in and like finds where the repair needs to go. And he has this machine that fixes it. And I said, you must feel like God. I mean, like, that's pretty amazing. But anyways, he makes really good money. Um, and we, well, anyways, we met at the beach and it's funny. I could totally hear his Florida accent. I, there is an accent. It's almost, he sounded a little country, which was interesting. He is my height, great smile, beautiful blue eyes. Um, but I was very self-conscious because I am 21 years older than him. And I just felt like he was really like when we were sitting on this one log, like when he was talking to me and smiling, he's looking right at me. And I'm like, I cannot take this. Like, stop looking right at me because 
I don't want you to see all the flaws. Um, yeah, because pictures, you know, you can fix them a little bit. I don't go for heavy filters or anything. So I look pretty much like myself, but lighting can help, you know, and obviously in person, it's like, well, there you go. Those are, those are my wrinkles. They are there on my neck. I'm sorry that they are, but I don't know. He didn't seem to care about anything that I don't like on myself because, um, yeah, we went back to his, uh, we went back to the parking lot and just made out, um, and nothing more was going to happen because I was going to go home. I live five miles from the beach, from this particular beach. And he had to go all the way back over to Gilroy, which is like over a hill. Like it's a pretty windy, windy road, like, you know, 10 miles of windy road over to his side. And I'm like, I am not driving over there to have sex with somebody that I just met. I, I don't know. The vibe for me was, I just was not in the mood to go any further and sometimes with, um, really sometimes with sex, it's like as easy as making out. It's like, uh, I might as well just go take the next step. You know, I don't know. I talked to my girlfriend about that. She's like, basically, yeah. Um, you know, it just, sometimes it just leads right into it and it doesn't feel like a big deal, but I just didn't want to. Um, and where was I going with that? I don't know. Um, yeah, there was something interesting. I was telling my girlfriend, I said, you know, he was an, he was a good kisser and stuff. And, um, but I was like, I like that he was tall. And I know I've told you guys about the, the other guy that, um, that I was having the feelings for in the last podcast, which we have, we are not, there's been no communication. One little text came through like four days after we parted. And he just said, how are you? Hey, how are you? And I said, I'm good. How are you? And he said, I'm good. And he told me about something that he's working on. And I just said, well, that's good. I'm glad that you're getting that done. And then I mentioned something about something that I got at the hook, which is a dispensary. And he said, sounds nice and smiley face. And it was like, it's kind of like I was sort of trying to open up a conversation and he sort of closed it down by saying sounds nice with a smiley face and didn't ask me anything else. So that was the end of that. That was almost a week ago. Haven't seen him in like 10 days so funny. Oh my God. If he even heard this, he'd be like, Oh my God, she's keeping track of like fucking days. But anyways, it hurt. I was, yeah, I was sad. I liked him, but I feel so much better now. I'm like over it now. So, but my point is, is that this person was totally new. I didn't know him. And like, uh, like an hour later we're making out and, um, it just felt weird. Cause I don't know, there wasn't enough of a mystery or buildup. I don't know. And I'm like, I, he's as tall as me. So that was nice. And he was muscular. Like I was touching his shoulders over his sweatshirt, like nice, solid shoulders, nice biceps. You know, he had, he was holding me, even picked me up and like, I wrapped my legs around his waist. I was laughing. I'm like, no, like put me down. <laughs> but, um, you know, he felt physically perfect and I was not into it. I'm like, why am I just, this just feels like, I don't know. It was bland for what, I don't know why. And I'm like, I was telling my girlfriend this and I said, I think it's, it's because, well, it is, it's because that there's no chemistry yet. There's nothing. It's just, he's just a human man that I don't have any kind of emotional connection with at all. Um, nothing. So it really, it was like making out with a stranger and there was just, it just, there didn't, I don't know. It was lacking something for sure. And I know that this person that I'd seen all these times, obviously there had been 
emotion for me, definitely. Although I felt like he was giving it to me too. Um, yeah, after you see each other so many times, it, you can't help but have, well, girls for sure can't help but have emotion towards a man. And so then that really does make the difference. It's like, it's so clear. It was so clear. It was like kind of a good reality check, um, having that experience with this guy. Cause I was like, yeah, I don't know. Just like not feeling it. And like, I kind of promised him like, yeah, we'll definitely hang out. Like we'll, we'll, we've met each other now. There's an attraction to each other. We can definitely like, I can come over that way because he's got a, a hotel room that he's been put up with in and like everything's paid for, for him while he's here doing this work. So like, he's a, if he's a booty call if I wanted it, but I don't really, I don't know. Like I don't have any interest really. And <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I'm just not really talking to him right now. Not, 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 not talking to him, just not making an effort to, and he knows where I am if he wants to reach out to me, but he's definitely just looking for hookups. He was really, you know, we talked about that and he was telling me some about some of his Tinder experiences. So, you know, he likes older women because we're not trying to rope, uh, them into relationships. He says, younger girls will use sex to try to rope us into relationships. He goes, that's what I find on Tinder. And I'm like, that's funny. Cause I'm an older woman and I didn't mean to do that to this guy who I had feelings for, but I, I really, I didn't, I, it wasn't an ulterior motive at all, but I did end up having feelings for him. And really like now I feel silly, like thinking, what was I going to do with that? Like, <laughs> he wasn't going to be able to be my boyfriend. I mean, I really do like my brain. I just don't think logically. It's like, I just want what feels good and I don't care about how it's going to work out. You know, it'll all work its way out, but you know, doesn't always. So, and in that case, it was better for it to just come to an end. I don't know. I still feel like I might hear from him at some point, but I don't know. I'm not holding my breath anymore. Okay. So I think that is it. I'm going to wrap it up for now. I have other fun dating stories that I can share. I have something from Sacramento that I will share. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to talk about it another time. Guy that I met at the gym, this guy named Richard Rich, but I always refer to him as Dick. And I'll tell you more about why I refer to him as Dick. <laughs> when I tell that story next time. Okay, guys, I hope you have a safe and sane 4th of July. Keep your animals in and um, please be careful with the fireworks. We don't want anyone losing any fingers or eyes this 4th of July and it will happen regardless, but I hope it's not any of you. Um, I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast and have a good one. Bye for now. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.